Welcome to the She Plays on Women's Football podcast. I'm your host, Harry Chan. This week, I talk with former Stoke City striker Faye McCoy about the support we need to give to women's football and also shoving her a bit under the bus for her time at Liverpool as an Everton fan. Yeah, I started off my career playing for Everton. I actually went over to the dark side, Liverpool, and went and played for them for a couple of seasons, yeah. But first, some news from this week. A total of 142 people have applied for the England head coach's job, with more than half meeting the criteria. That's according to Baroness Campbell, the Football Association's head of women's football. She also said, quote, we've had an unbelievable response. Phil Naval will leave the role next summer, so his replacement will be in charge for Euro 2021 and may also lead Team Great Britain at the Tokyo Olympics. After that, England are targeting World Cup success in 2023. Liverpool captain Sophie Bradley Auckland is putting her football career on hold to help her family run care home through the coronavirus pandemic. The defender is the manager of Edenhurst Care Home in Nottingham. She said, quote, With the current situation, it's made me have to make a decision, one that's been awful and I've actually lost sleep about it. The fact is that I can't return to Liverpool until a risk is imposed on the care home. I just think it's amazing how much responsibility we see from a club captain when compared to the politicians who seem to be not aware of the same guidelines. Manchester United, meanwhile, have signed England midfielder Lucy Staniforth on a two-year deal following her departure from Birmingham City. The 27-year-old submitted a transfer request to the Blues last summer, but eventually left at the end of her contract in June. She made 43 appearances for Birmingham over two seasons. Staniforth, who has been capped 16 times for England, joined the United side that finished 4th in the WSL in the first season. United have also signed Spain defender Ona Patelli on a two-year contract. The 21-year-old, who also has a further 12-month option on her deal, joins as a free agent after leaving Levante. Arsenal women have signed Switzerland international defender Noel Maritz from German club Wolfsburg on an undisclosed length contract. The 24-year-old have been with German champions since 2013, helping them to five consecutive league titles. She has earned 74 senior caps and joins fellow superstars Leah Wouty and Malin Gutt at the WSL side. Several Sheffield United women players are believed to be losing confidence in the club after boss Carla Ward's exit. The players have held a call with the general manager and a board member to discuss the departure and its timing. They were told the club was shocked by manager Ward's departure, but many felt that contradicted a club statement that said, quote, both parties have opted to go down a different path. In addition to requesting that meeting with senior officials, players have asked for a staff member who is believed to be under furlough to return to work because they felt they needed someone to speak to as they are losing trust in the club. Sheffield United Women is a semi-professional team and they have been competing in the second tier for two seasons. 
award was described by the club as quote instrumental in them achieving championship status in 2018 and this season led Sheffield United to second place in the women's championship the highest finish in the history of a team formed in 2002. Manchester United manager Casey Stoney promoted Martin Ho to assistant coach to replace the experienced Glenn Harris. Ho joins the first team staff at United having previously worked with the under-21 WSL Academy. Ho previously worked as an assistant coach at Everton Women and was the under-21s head coach at Liverpool. He will move up to replace the vastly experienced Harris, who took the job at United soon after the club was formed, as a second-tier side in 2018, following a 13-year absence from the senior women's game. The retirement of former Doncaster Bells and Lincoln Ladies boss Harris prompted Casey Stoney to search for a new number two. Norway defender Ingrid Mowold is to join Everton Women on a two-year deal. The 30-year-old right-back will move to Merseyside after her current deal at Madrid expires. West Ham United have signed Australia goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold from W League outfit Brisbane Roar. The 26-year-old is the Hammers' first summer signing ahead of September's return of the WSL. Queensland-born Arnold has been named as Goalkeeper of the Year in Australia's W League on three occasions. West Ham have also signed Mats Pacheco following the left-back's departure from fellow WSI Cup Reading. It was announced last month that the 21-year-old would be leaving Reading at the end of her contract. Bristol City have signed left-back Gemma Perfield on a two-year deal after her departure from relegated Liverpool. The 23-year-old had been with the Reds since January 2019 but left after reaching the end of her contract. Brighton and Hove Women have signed England under-17 international Katie Robinson after the forward turned down an offer to stay with Bristol City. The 17-year-old made 17 WSL appearances for the Robins after coming through their academy. Glasgow City have further strengthened for the Champions League last eight tie by signing striker Christina Frieda on loan from Apollon Ladies of Cyprus. American-born Frieda has scored 13 times in the competition in the past two years, including against City from Somatio Barcelona in 2018. The 26-year-old has also netted 245 goals in the past three seasons for the Cypriot champions. Freda is City's second summer signing, joining fullback Zaneta Wynn, who arrived from Norwegian side Klepp. The Scottish champions will face Wolfsburg in San Sebastian on the 21st of August. Our next guest is known for the goals she scores. She joined Stoke in 2015 before returning for a season back with Blackburn. She then rejoined Stoke in 2017 in the FA Women's National League. Please welcome Faye McCoy to the show.
I'm going to start this off uh, by addressing, I guess, one of the uh, one of the elephant in the room. I guess um, you're born in Liverpool. You're an Everton fan. Is it true that you played for Liverpool before? It is, yes. Quite controversial, really, isn't it? <laughs> I think you'll find it in in Liverpool. Um, you get a lot of families, and they're really split down the middle. So you've got Liverpool fans and Everton fans. The majority of my family are Liverpool fans. Um, but I followed in my granddad and my dad's footsteps and we had all the blues. <laughs> but um, yeah, I started off my career playing for Everton. I actually went over to the dark side, Liverpool, um, went and played for them for a couple of seasons, yeah. Okay, because another thing is we heard that your favourite player is um, Stabby Alonso, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. But um, it, why is that? Why is that? Him, it's him and Steven Gerrard on there to be honest with you, and and that that again, it's just it's, it's, <laughs> with them being full on Reds, but it's just purely technical ability. It's just someone I always admired and um, growing up, and I tried to base my game around. And if I could have even a slight percent of their performances, I'd be happy and stuff. So yeah. All right, I see. Okay, so I feel like we're sort of pushing under the bus, but anyways, the thing is like yeah. <laughs> So, we'll go back to Everton. Um, because you're a fan of Everton and you actually played there, um, what is the experience like um, when you're playing there, you know, as a fan at your favourite club? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And when I was at Everton, that, that's where I started out my whole like football career, really. I was playing for a, um, a local boys team when I was younger. Um, and then I left that when I, for, so when I was, I think I was nine or ten, uh, when I first went to Everton. And it was it was just a dream for me. I couldn't believe it that I was actually wearing that chair, the club that I love, and everything like that. And it just it just was get stronger as as I grew up through going through the ranks. Um, I was going to the facilities where the guys train at Finch Farm, and it was getting to experience like what they were getting to do every day. But back then, the women's game wasn't as as big as it is now. So we didn't even have slightly as close to the facilities probably what they have now and meeting up and having that connection with the men um but even just that slight little bit of opportunity to see what it was like for them it was brilliant it was it was really good right i see because like everton now in the wsl they are producing some amazing performances i have to say and the support from you know the club as a whole is very very strong did you feel that ambition when you were at Everton at your time yeah it's it's just something I think if if you've got that love for the club as well you really want to like perform even more for them and you want to give everything for that badge on the shirt and it's a a luxury to be able to wear that if if you've been given that shirt and there you go you go on you earn that every week then you really do play for the club because you know how much support you're getting back and the following um, I think they've they've actually just got their own ground now, not too far from Goodison, which is amazing. because um, I don't think they were actually playing in Liverpool um, until now. Just unfortunate with what happened. I don't think they've actually played many games there yet. Um, but to hopefully that that they now because the ground is so close to the men's ground, they may get more of a a following from the men's team because they come could go watch the women's team and then just up the road five minutes if that is on to the to the men's game so hopefully they'll get even more support now this season for you when you were playing at, at 
Everton, what was like the best moment or maybe the best memory for you? Um, I was only young at that time when I, I think I went into actually started playing for the first team. Um, and it was it was the women's like national Premier League then it was called. Um, and it was getting to the FA Cup final with Everton. Um, it was a, a huge opportunity. It was at West Ham's ground. And we got to, it was obviously the whole stay over. I think I was only about 15, 16 then. And and it was the luxury of being involved in that team with the likes of like Farrah Williams, Jill Scott and everyone who I was looking up to then um, playing with. And it was just an unbelievable like privilege to be able to do that with them. Um, I played at some great grounds with Everton. I think I, m- I remember coming on um, at the Emirates against Arsenal. Um, I was coming up and I was only like 15, 16 and I had Faye White marking me <laughs> and I was quite in awe really just then I had to focus on right you know you've got to you're actually on this pitch playing now but yeah I had some amazing memories at Everton and I'm really grateful for the opportunities that they've given me. I want to move on a bit though because like for you um, your different players you know, define themselves as having different playing styles um, some are more technical some are a bit more physical no. Yeah. How would you define your own playing style? Um, a bit, a bit of both of technical and physical, really. And I'm more. I think most people that you'll speak to say I am a very technical player. Um, I think my traits are probably the understanding, game understanding, and reading the game. Um, is quite obviously a strong point for myself. Lately, I've been playing in a new position. I've actually gone to centre forward now. Um, I'm starting to score a few goals the older I get. So, um, yeah, so probably technical is my strongest point and my passion and everything for the game. Like, like you just mentioned though, you moved from like I think midfield to being a striker, right? Yeah, why, why did you make that move though? Is there a reason or was it the coaches wanted you to do that or something? Um, yeah, I think a couple of seasons ago, um, I was at Blackburn and the manager there, he, he just wanted to try something new. Um, and I, I became, I was a striker then. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, the thing is with me, as long as I'm on that pitch, I, I just want to play and I don't mind where I play. Um, and I think that's the attitude that I've got as I've got older. As long as you play and you, you're lucky enough to be out there, then you, you just kind of get on with it. But... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I played there a couple of games and then that manager left. Um, and then I went back into centre midfield and I hadn't played there for a while until last season. Um, and that was at Stoke. Um, I think we were we were quite short with a couple of forwards. I think they had a couple of injuries and stuff. And then I just I just said to the manager, you know, I'd be happy to give um, striker a go. And it just went from there and it stuck from pre-season. I just started scoring goals and that was it. <laughs> okay, I see. So, um, but then when you moved from, you know, midfield to strike, to, to the attacking side, you know, yeah, um, yeah you, you, did, you did quite well, obviously. But then was there something that you would say was a very big challenge or maybe just a big change for you? Yeah, it was, I think because in the whole game, I've always liked to pick the ball up and play forwards. That's always been my natural uh, thing to do. I look for the, the wide players or look for the centre forward in front of me. So I had to adapt my game to receiving the ball with my back to goal. Um, and that was something I did have to adapt to and start changing my game. But the more the more games I got an experience playing in that position, I, I managed to do that. Um, but yeah, you, you do have to adapt your game to it. Right, I see. 
Um, another thing about adapting, though, is I, I guess that applies for all players. That is, you unfortunately always suffer some sort of injuries throughout your career. Yeah. Um, and of course, those are very tough times. How how did you handle those times yourself? Um, I'd, I'd say that was probably, there was a big point in my career. It, it, it was actually when I left Everton to go to play for Liverpool. Um, I was in a bit, it was, it was a local derby actually, we were playing against Everton. Um, and I was at that time, I was even, I think I was playing actually centre-half that game. So I played pretty much everywhere. <laughs> um, but no, there was a nasty tackle and I uh, fractured my shin. Um, and to be honest, back then, I, I, I didn't, I didn't deal with that very well and I think if I would have dealt with it differently at the time then my, my career could be a lot different now. Um, men mentally I weren't strong enough to come back for that and I actually had a break from the game for about three or four years um, which is a, a long time really and I, I, I felt like I couldn't get over the fact I was in the England setup then um, I was treated to go into I think it was in England under 21 um, trip away and obviously I missed out because of that. So I think because of that opportunity that was taken away from me, as I say, I mentally couldn't get past that. So I had a break from the game for quite a long time. Um, and just if, if I would have done that different, then as I say, my career could have been a lot different. Um, but then obviously it's, it's, uh, it's in the past, but then um, was there a point or was there a moment where you know in perhaps those three or four years where you sort of realized that or you found really the courage to go back to the playing field to go back to football and you know try it again yeah definitely I started missing the game again and I, I think it was because the women's game was started to become a lot more popular then people more people were getting to hear it and I just felt like do you know what I still have got a lot to give in the game and um, so I, I did, I started trying to get myself fit again and I went and played, um, it was just for a local Liverpool side, um, Liverpool Feds they were called and I just found my love for the game again playing there and it was just, there was no pressure on me, it was just tearing up and it was getting used to the game and everything like that again and then that's when I gradually started coming up again um, but it, it has taken two or three more years since then to, to be in the position that I am in now. I see. Um, now, of course, you've played in you know the different leagues. You just mentioned you know for Everton, for Liverpool, or locally yeah. at different levels. Um, what is the biggest difference for you? You know between these leagues. It's it's quite frightening, really, because I didn't think I'd actually think this in the women's game. But it's actually money now. I would say because I I was reading I was reading something today actually, and it was about um. Manchester United women now and it was about the success of where they are now and it was how far they've come and it, it just had me thinking it was they, they were they were a great side when we were younger they always had brilliant girls playing for them then they did stop and it's like now all of a sudden they're straight into that Super League 2 now with that, if they didn't have the money to do that it makes you think would they be in that league now would they have earned their way all the way up which uh, we'll never know but it was a bit more like Last season, um, Sunderland, they had to come down due to finances and then they came into our National League. And you, they did a great team, they're a great club and the players there probably should still be playing at that level. But purely due to the finances and everything like that, that is what's um, stopping them, which 
it, it is a shame really for some players. Um, some people can't travel as far, so they have to stay locally for the for the local team. So I would say like a few of the Sunderland girls, there's not many teams up there really that they could go and travel to. So to have the Super League taken away for them, from them due to money and stuff, it, I could imagine it'd be quite tough for them really. Um, because you were just talking about Manchester United um, and and you know their 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 rapid success, I would say. Um, but yeah. then on the other end of the spectrum, perhaps is actually Liverpool, which the men's team is winning the league, but then their women's team is being relegated um, this season. Is is yeah. this a a a problem that, or perhaps a warning bell for some other clubs that are dependent on the men's team? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's there's been a, a few teams that have thought that they could go up and and you know compete in the the championship and the super league and have the backing of the clubs. There's clubs like Notts County. It happened to them not too long ago. Um, but I think it's it's quite frightening really for some of the players because that is their jobs and to to just go to training one day and the next day you it's been pulled and there's no club and they folded. It's what do they do then? That's their livelihood. They rely on that, and it's that security where it's 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 quite it is quite scary for a women's team to think it, you will never see a men's club fold just like the click of the fingers the next day. And there's always that little insecure. I, I would think with the women's team, and um, that the money could just be pulled on them at any time. Right. Um. This is because this is one question that we ask a lot of like people, but then. Because you're a player, you know, that actually is involved in the game. Do you feel like, as a player, maybe women's football clubs in the long run should become independent? Yeah, I think, to be honest, I, I didn't think that the women's game would be where it is now 10 years ago. The, the amount it's come on is, is amazing and the, the publicity and everything that they are getting. And they are starting to generate their own kind of money now because I, I think that's what some men's teams clubs are quite scared to do to give all this money to clubs because the women's team don't necessarily bring in any um, income for them but i think now because the game is growing that much people are starting to get involved and it, you know it's great to see your, your players that are like like jill scott tony duggan they're all getting re they're recognized in the streets and stuff now and that was that never used to happen so who knows, in five to ten years' time, that, that could be it. The, the women's team could be generating that much money. They, they could go independently, yeah, and that would be great to see. Right, because one thing you were talking about was how easy it seems for a women's football club to fold, to, to just literally disappear. Um, yeah. Do you feel like this is one of the reasons why some players are concerned when they take that jump from you know having a part-time contract to the full-time contract? Definitely. I know that there's a couple of players in um, the league that I'm playing in now, the FA National League, the National Women's League, and ability-wise, like I say, they could definitely be playing at a higher level, but because of the commitment that you have to give, that, that, that jump from our league to the, to w, to the Championship sorry, is a big, big gap, um, and the commitment is a lot more. And I think the players now weigh up their options of what their day job actually brings in to if they got rid of that and went full time, would they still be able to, you know, live? And I don't think that's the case at the moment. I think for the amount of commitment they have to give 
I don't think they receive back um, anything close to what, what they should be really. And that is, I think that is affecting the, the level that they are playing at. Right, that's, that's, I think that's sort of something we all see in, which is unfortunate in the Leeds right now. But um, yeah. in, in any event though, that, like as you said, women's football did improve quite a bit from you know, 10 years ago and now. If you look back when you just started playing, when you're still, let's say, when you're still 18 years old, what advice would you have given yourself? It's definitely you. You've just got to be open-minded in the game, and the, the main thing is that you you have to be enjoying the game. And at the, I would say when I, as I say, when I had that injury and I stopped playing, there was no love there for the game. So you have to make sure that you you're working hard. You're turning up to training, you're listening, you're taking all the advice that's given to you. And you've got to be mental, mentally strong like you have to. And because of, as I say, if you pick up a little injury, you've still got to go and feel a part of that team. You still need to go up to turn up to training and be involved with everyone because that, that's something that I didn't do. And then I felt on my own necessarily. I, basically, I felt on my own. So that affected me. But... It's working hard and I've definitely taken advice and listening to it, um, which is maybe something I, I didn't really do myself when I was a bit younger. Um, so when you first started playing, do you still remember who sort of introduced you to perhaps not just women's football, but just playing football as a kid perhaps? Do you still remember who introduced you? Um, it was it was actually my brother. Um, my brother was actually a really good player at the time. Uh, he was he was at Everton, um, and he he was playing actually with the likes of like Wayne Rooney and stuff at that age group at the same time. And I think I just became his little mannequin at home. I had the ball booted at me <laughs> every day, um, and I I was used to go and watch him all the time. I was about five or six. Um, started going to like youth clubs with him and I, I always played with boys when I was younger because of my brother and I think that that really um, has probably made me the player I am today um, because I've just grown up playing in like boys teams and everything like that so yeah it was definitely it was my brother who got me into football so yeah I can thank him for that. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Now we know that you're doing something that's sort of a charity that is called uh, run for dementia can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so again so that that is down to my granddad as i say he, he was my he was my biggest fan and i know he still is um and unfortunately he got diagnosed with dementia one up to two years now um and unfortunately he's in a care home now so i just wanted to do something to raise awareness but but also to keep me fit and get me ready for next season as well so i thought if i can do raise a bit of money to a charity and also keep myself taken over, ready for the new season to start. Um, that was the, that was my was my main reason. So I think I've got forty k left to run you. Uh, so I'll have to go and get ten k, and after this call. <laughs> right, good luck with that. Though. Um, <laughs> so, but talking about the new season, because um, you you'll be leaving Stoke City um, yeah. after the season. So, do you know what's next? Can you tell us something about that? So I'm I'm still going to be playing. Um, I think some people were thinking, is she going to be playing? Is she going to be retiring? What's she going to be doing? So I can get, confirm I am still going to be playing. Um, right now I haven't fully made my mind up where. I've got a couple of options. I spoke to some great clubs, um, and it's pretty much just weighing up my options now and making that decision. 
Um, but I am really excited for a new challenge next season. That is what I'm looking forward to. Right. Um, we do look forward to seeing you play next season. But um, that's this sort of the structural questions we have. We have like a few sort of the quick fire ones yeah. here. So let's see. So the first one I want to ask is about, you know, if we look back before lockdown when you're still playing, was there any particular pre-match rituals that you have to do before the game? Like how however big or small it is? Um, so no so I always have me every morning I get ready. I have uh, my porridge of the morning and my banana every literally every Sunday before I go. <laughs> and then I have to go my Red Bull and then I'm always have to be in charge of the music in the changing room. <laughs> That's the main one. I have to be the DJ before the game. <laughs> Alright, that's. Was is there a reason? Is it because like, is it because other people have terrible music taste, or is it just you having your own particular style of music? <laughs> a bit of both, really. The the, <laughs> the the music choice at Stoke wasn't the best whenever I didn't get hold of the speaker. So now I think all the girls always used to say, "Faye, put your put your music on." But yeah, it's just something I've always done at every club. Really, I've always been in charge of the music, the DJ, the team. Um, so that's something I always think I can't change that now I have to say on playlist that I need to get ready to before I go out to get me off of the game um, let's see okay we'll have one last one then. Um, this is a spin-off we found from like one of those questions that they used to like to ask during those late night shows um, that is yeah. if you have the chance to have lunch with anyone um, we used to limit it to football players but then it doesn't matter anyone uh, dead or alive would you take them to eat fish and chips? Definitely. Definitely. Fish and chips is just, you can't go wrong, can you? You can't go wrong with fish and chips. You'd have to, as long as you, I could take them to the seaside for fish and chips. You have to go to the seaside to get your fish and chips. <laughs> is it because it's more fresh? I'm not sure, I'm just asking. Yeah, I think it must be. There's just something about fish and chips down when you're down at the seaside to just go and pick it up at the local chip shop it, it's just not the same <laughs> it's right. eating it out of the box as well you have to eat it out of the box in the paper it's not well, the same. from the newspaper right yeah it's just, it doesn't say you want to play i'll take that as a tip when i do come um yeah that's so that that's sort of the last question but we do have one last bit of the episode which is like a segment we do where we ask you know our guests to just uh, say a message to support our, uh, the young girls and, and boys who might be facing whatever challenges, especially during um, these times, um, chasing their dreams and all that. So we just want to ask you to say, you know, anything you want really to um, those kids who may want to become a player like one day. Yeah, so, you know, we're very lucky now that we have all of this, um, you know, social media and everything that we're doing now, even just like calls like this. So the main thing I would say is stay connected and go and have a little look up, look at tools. There's a lot of activities going on um, online that you can learn from, things that you can learn at home. Um, and the, the slogan of practice makes perfect and, and it does, you, you're never too old to learn. I think that's the main thing you will always learn. So. If you think you're struggling with something, practice it and keep practicing it until like you've nailed that. Um, but like I said earlier, hard work and listening to advice. But you know, never dream. No dream is too big. You, you can always achieve it if you do go and put your mind to it. And um, so yeah, I'd say that's the main thing. Right. 
Say thanks a lot for your message. Thanks for joining us on uh, on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. No problem, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. I'll catch you soon. All right then, Harry. Okay. I'll see Thank you. you soon, see you so. soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 it for our show this week if you liked the podcast remember to rate subscribe and share it with your friends and family we'll be back next week thank you again for listening i'm harry chan and this is the she plays on women's football podcast